turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this theme all week. Um, um, maybe some of you don't know, but during the week, I'm on the phone a lot. Um, Thursdays, I'm on the phone with all the pastors in Ukraine, and we have like a leaders meeting, and we just have a conference call, and I just speak, and we just have an interaction. We talk, talk about vision. We're just talking about things that are happening on their end, and that's always such an edifying time. Uh, and then yesterday I spoke with a, an Arabic guy who is married to one of our Ukrainian girls in Kiev, and he is leading an Arabic church in Kiev. He's Syrian, and his, pray for this guy, his name is Rafi, and he's got an amazing story. He's from Aleppo, or Homs, one of those two cities. And, um, you know, the devastation in Syria is unbelievable. There's a lot of Syrians all over Europe now. And it's a great time to evangelize them. Well, he, um, uh, his last name is Esau, which means Jesus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he got saved. And he's an amazing guy. He's been leading the Arabic church. And we've been training him. Greater Grace has been training him. And so, Did you tof- see him on that video? Yeah. yeah. That video from the summer. Yeah, he was there, him and his wife. Uh, he's pretty, you know, not hard to miss. Yeah. He's got the look. Yeah. And he's a funny, funny guy. He and I can only talk in Russian to each other. So that's also really funny. You know, American speaking to an Assyrian in Russian. <laughs> it's like, whoa. And, um, he so doesn't speak English? Very, very little. So Rafi, I mean, uh, Tofik, which is a brother, he's an Arabic Jew. And he's from Israel. Maybe you've met him. He's... He's in Turkey, he's in Budapest a lot. So he, he's a single guy, and he is, he is in Kiev right now for three months teaching this church, just leading them. They don't really speak Russian very well, so they feel kind of separated from the Russian culture. So he is there. Pray for him. And, um, and I spoke with him yesterday, and then I also spoke with another guy. How many of you guys have remembered Tomasz Bulicek? Yeah, he was in Bible college. Maybe when you guys, I don't know if you guys were there. Yeah, so we have been with him taking trips, many trips to former Yugoslavia, and um, and finally he moved there. Finally he moved there with a team, and I spoke with him yesterday, and he moved there in August, and um, he is now um, the de facto pastor for a church that had no pastor, a Serbian church, and he speaks Serbian Croatian. And so he's preaching there because there's a church there of just Serbs that don't have a don't have a pastor. And so I was just thinking about you know like how exciting it is to have something happening locally here, but also having our hand across the ocean. You know we are we are really like just we are really impacting people. And this little church here and our church in Baltimore is really impacting. Um, so maybe maybe next week, or um, if I'm here, there's a possibility I may not be here next Sunday because I'm going to a pastor's conference. And depending on how my ticket goes, we might have to make different plans for next Sunday. But maybe next week or the week after, we can have like a little like a little board of just missionaries that we that were you know. Um, and then in May, May I know we talked about lots of plans here today, but May uh, I'll be going to. Um, to uh, Argentina with um, Pastor Stan Collins. And any of you guys want to come, it would be great. You know, 
You don't have to speak Spanish, right? Just go down there and hables en inglés, and everything's going to be good. You know? Argentinians, maybe. So when, um, so that's in May. But anyway, um, I was thinking of all of that, and I was thinking how <clears throat> sometimes when you look at your world around you, <clears throat> we can get discontented with what we see. We can be thinking, I wish it would be more this way or more that way, or I wish, you know, only if it was this, this condition, even if I had more, more of that or less of this, then my life would be easier and I'd be a happy person. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And we, you know, we know this, we know this, but we maybe sometimes forget this, we don't know this, that when you go to a funeral, how many of you have ever seen a trailer behind the... <laughs> U-Haul trailer. Yeah, U-Haul trailer behind the hearse, you know, with all the guy's stuff. But that doesn't happen. And so life really is not about what we have, but it's really about who we have, who is present in our life. And blessing, many times we can see blessing as defined in the church today as the proof of great gain. How many of you have ever ridden, and you see this a lot in Ukraine and, and some cultures where, maybe in South America you see this, or Latin America, you see this a lot, but um, not a lot in, in Europe, but I have seen it in Ukraine where you're driving behind a really, really, really nice car, you know? And it says, it says um, you can be blessed too, and it gives you an 800 number. <laughs> oh, yeah? You ever seen anything like that? Uh-huh. Or like, call me, or whatever. And I did that one time. There was a guy behind me, and he says, um, I'm just giving glory to God. And it was a phone number. It was in Ukraine. So I called him up. And so he started fellowshipping. He was a brother. You know, we had a good fellowship. He goes, he goes, you're right behind me, aren't you? He goes, I can see you. So we were talking. And I think that many times in Christianity, um, they define blessing as what they have. You know, great gain. But really, divine contentment and peace with God is our greatest gain. Because... When this life is over and we face God at the Bema seat, when we face Jesus Christ, it's not going to be about what we gain, but really our content, our soul content. What is the content of our life? Now, I think many of us or some of us may have met very, very famous people. And when you meet them, the, what you find out very quickly is in their life is that they are not necessarily glorifying in all that they have or all who they are in their position but they are they are really people that are either very very empty people or people that are that um, are really looking for that, that simplicity and purity of the content that maybe someone else has we've all heard stories of the of the princess leaving the castle because she just and going down into the poor suburbs of the of the uh, of the of the town looking for that happiness because she was so bored in the in the in the royal court there are people in the world that look at what we have and they really desire it and they may not tell you i've had someone tell me tell me remember a businessman a very 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 successful guy in ukraine extremely successful guy and somehow he just wanted to hang out with us 
And he just didn't want to be that successful guy. He just wanted to hang out with us, you know, me and a couple of the other Americans. And he was a, he was a Ukrainian guy. And I just remember, like, he would call us, and we'd get together, and he would just talk. And he was so hungry for that, just that simple, you know, that simple interaction. One day he said to me, he said, you know, I really envy you guys. And he said, because you guys are more about the caring of your soul than really the caring of your physical life like I am. And people are really looking for this, what we have, this contentment, this peace, this joy. And they look at us, and sometimes they can look at us like, um, you know, I feel bad for them because they don't have what I have or have not achieved what I've achieved. But they say, I really wish I had what they had, that that peace, that joy. My wife and I were in the store yesterday somewhere, and there was obviously kind of, and I don't want to make, I never make any class distinctions financially or ethnically or socially or any way, but there was a family there that you could tell was just, you know, really, you know, they were struggling. And there was this, there was this dad with his little, little girl, and they were just having so much fun together. And I thought, you know, later on, we talked to them and discovered that they were believers. But this family was so happy with what they had. Um, I talked to another guy at a restaurant with my wife. And, uh, you know, he was just playing with his little kid in the, you know, in the, at the front near the rest restaurant. And, um, and he's having a blast with her. And I just thought, you know, I got talking with him. And, and you know, like we can be so content not with just what we have but that we have something even greater and that is god and there are people that can actually be content in this world they can be really content they can be you know what i've done my i've done my career i'm going to retire now i'm just going to coast into coast to the grave my dad is like 74 or i think he's 75 and he is he's like he's not that kind of a thinker you know he's like i don't know if you've met my dad or not but you know, he's he's like, you know, my mom passed away, and so he has a friend, and and uh, he's always just doing stuff. And I think that people can grow very grossly um, complacent with a contentment that is only a worldly contentment, because you know things can change. You know, life can change so quickly in a day. Um, we can get a phone call, and I don't want to, I don't want to. Well, I don't believe in super superstition anyway, but. We could get a phone call and find out my job, you know, you're no longer, sorry, we can't, you know, we got to let you go, you know, and that's happening. We, we're, we, we see that around us. We see people losing their jobs. And, and so our contentment is not in what we've gained because that can all change. I remember a guy, there was a neighbor next to me that lived in Baltimore, older guy, probably, well, I say older, I don't know what that means, but uh, much older than I was. And he said to me, you know, I, I, he was an African-American, and I asked him, well, what do you, he had a very nice home. And, and we were talking, he, and he said to me, I don't know what I'm going to do, Chris, because um, I was laid off, and the department that I was working in was the department that I created. I created that department. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I came into that job 30 years ago. Uh, I created a department that didn't exist before, and now, because I'm an older person, um, 
I'm being let go so that you know five other younger guys can come in and and expand the and expand the and he said this was just a year this was a half a year before my retirement and he said I don't know what I'm gonna do with my house I don't know what I'm gonna do with this I, and of course I, I witnessed to him and shared the gospel with him and just said you know and he was agreeing with me he was like this is right in Mayfield right 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 across the street from our house and and he's you know we were just you know he's mowing his lawn. And we're almost kind of like, just amazed. People work all their life and then they get fired, you know? And um, that magic moment of retirement, and sometimes it doesn't happen because blessing is not proof of great gain, but contentment, divine contentment, not just contentment, but divine contentment and peace with God is our greatest gain. And so when we look at our life, there's two ways we can look at it, and I just was reading a devotion with Pastor Stevens a couple days ago, and he made this statement, and I don't know if this is exactly what he was trying to say, but this is what I got from it. Um, it goes something like this, that Satan has an unfinished plan for people's lives. It's a plan, but it's unfinished. It's an unfinished plan. He puts it in front of people and says, this is what you've got to do to finish the plan in your life to be content to arrive, to get there. You know, you see these retirement commercials on TV, you know, and I laugh every time I see it. It's just like, you've worked all your life, and maybe you've seen it, you know, it's a local, I think it's a financial firm nearby, you know, locally. You've worked all your life, and it's always been about other people, now it's about you. (laughs) This is your moment, this is your time. You know, you've given it all, but now it's time for you to give to yourself, and He's talking about how to manage your wealth. And I was like, what world is this guy living in? You know, like, is this really even happening in the world today? I don't know. Maybe there it is. But we don't know. Because Satan has a plan for people that's unfinished. And it's a plan that's based on achievement. It's an unfinished plan. And what that unfinished plan does is it leaves us anxious and striving, doesn't it? You look at the world and you're like, I don't know if I can attain. I don't know if I can... You know, and when I do attain, then a year before I attain, I'm kicked out and I don't have retirement and I got to go work, you know, wherever. So it's like, this is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. This is the satanic, unfinished plan for our life. But God's plan for you and I, for our lives, is a finished work plan. And it just dawned on, I shared this with my wife the, uh, yesterday morning. It's a plan that's already completed in God's eyes. We just need to trust God. And walk in faith, take up our cross daily, and watch God's finished plan for us unfold day by day before our eyes in our timeline. Let me say it this way, that God has a plan for us, and that plan is already completed. And I, was talking about, I was talking to Pastor Schaller on the phone, and I said, Pastor Schaller, the church in Houston is already planted. Many souls have already gotten saved. Um, we, are, we are impacting this place in a great way. God's doing great things. It's a completed plan. We just need to every morning wake up and say, God, I'm going to the cross, taking my, my opinions and my, what I see by sight mm-hmm. there. And it doesn't have to be only about church planning, but it could be any area of our life. I'll bring that to the cross and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Because if I can trust you, then I'm going to see you roll out your plan before me. The temptation is to try to get our hands in there and kind of like, okay, God, let me help you here a little bit. looks like you're struggling here. You know, and as I don't know what it is, it's, it's kind of comical, but we all think that way. I think that way. 
And so what we need to do is just understand that God's plan for me is perfect. It's completed. It's a finished work plan. My, whatever I'm doing, it's completed. And God had, for example, maybe there's an area in our life that we're struggling with and we just can't get victory over. And we're like, God, I, I just, I don't know. I can't get victory over that in my life. And I'm struggling with it and struggling with it. We need to look at it not as an unfinished problem or what we could say in a different way, an unresolved problem. You know, people live, people live in this world with so many unresolved things in their life, unresolved relationships. All of us have things in our life that are not resolved, right? Relationships that are not resolved. I mean, all of us in this entire city have unresolved relationships that are just people that, for whatever reason, it's an unresolved situation in that relationship. And we can look at it from that perspective, or we can look at it from the perspective of, you know what, that is a finished work relationship. God has completed that. I was thinking about this when I was driving down, and it really touched me. I was just driving in the car thinking about this, that, you know when Jesus said, um, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? I was thinking about that. You know, I was thinking about a story that I'd heard about um, a wife whose husband was murdered, and it was just a terrible story. And she publicly forgave the guy and said to the guy, you, don't, you have no idea what you did. You have no idea how much that hurt. You have no idea what it did to my family, to our, my world, to everything in my life. I'll never be, in one sense, the same. You have no idea what you did. You do not know what you did. And she said that, but I forgive you. And that, I was thinking about that this morning, that when God forgave us, he was forgiving us because we had no idea and have no idea what we do when we sin. When we sin, we have no idea what we're doing. We think we do. We think, okay, it's going to impact maybe these people, or maybe I can control it or manage it. But it's like when we fail, when we sin, it's like we have no idea what we're doing. We have, and Jesus was saying to God, in effect, God, Father, these people have no idea what they're doing and how this is killing me and hurting me. And, and, they have no, and, and then on the other side, on the redemption side, they have no idea how this is going to work together for good. You know, Joseph said that. You, you have no idea... You did not know what you were doing. What you did was meant for evil, but God had another plan. And so when we look at God's plan for our life, we have to look at it in every aspect in our, with our kids, our wives, our husbands, our family, our jobs, um, whatever, you know, our personal lives. We have to look at it from a finished work perspective that in God's eyes it's completed. And this is Romans 8, verses 28 through 30, that we are justified, glorified, we are called, we are sanctified, Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14, I believe it was, or verse 16, he said that I was set apart in my mother's womb unto the gospel. Isn't that amazing that Paul, before he was born, had a finished work calling in his life? Do you, you, you get what I'm saying? Is it, like, am I being clear? In essence, what I'm saying is, is that having an understanding that what I am endeavoring to do is already completed. <laughs> and all I have to do is just trust God. Just walk in that. Because in the world, in the world it's like, you've got to get out there, you've got you to like, pound the pavement. And that, you know, we do have to work, of course. But we can either work from the perspective of, you know what, I'm going to work today, but it's already completed. This day is done. I'm already at home praising the Lord, you know, for a wonderful day. You know, God is already in heaven 
you know, we're just living out the hour by hour uh, moments where we just have to trust God for a finished work plan. And so when we live that way, then we let God um, lead us, bless us, and we don't get, we don't trip God up with our, with our, with our getting our hands into the situation. We just let God, I just think that God wants to do things in our lives that are so unconventional. The world is very conventional, isn't it? There's a way in the world, right? There's a cosmo, there's a cosmic way or cosmos. There's a way in the world of education. There's a way in the world of money. There's a way of the world in family. There's a way in the world like, you know, I mean, how many parents here? Let me. How much, I'm not a parent, but how many of you have ever felt the pressure from other parents that you're not gonna, you're not kind of doing it the way that all the other parents are doing it, and you feel that pressure like, well, we're, we don't, we're not doing it that way. And you kind of feel the pressure of the way of other parents because you have godly standards in your life. You have an eternal value system. And so God wants to do things in our life that are unconventional. And God wants to do things in our life that are a grace blessing in our life. And that's where our contentment comes from. Our contentment um, comes when we look at life is not about what I can achieve, but what I can trust God for. Pastor Stevens made this statement, and I posted it on Facebook, and um, got really great response. When, when a person worries, this is what he said in a devotional a couple days ago, when a person worries and lives in anxiety and a state of frustration, he is intimidating the character of God's plan. Now, when I preach, I'm always preaching to myself. I'm just preaching you the message that I learned that week. So don't feel like I'm preaching at you guys. When a person worries and lives in anxiety and a state of frustration, he is intimidating the character of God's plan and challenging the purpose of God's details. So he says it like this. To worry is to slander God in his foreknowledge. Now think about that for a second. To worry is to slander. That's a big word. One guy on Facebook, a guy in Ukraine said, well, that's a heavy-duty word, slander. When we worry, we're like a, we are just insulting God's foreknowledge. We're insulting his plan. Of course, we are going to worry, and that's we are human beings. But when you feel that worry coming on, we just got to bring it to the cross and say, God, worry is just me trying to figure out a supernatural plan. You know? Like, like all of us have all of us, except for Betty, maybe Betty too, have moved here <laughs> by faith, right? I came back when I got smart. Y'all got smart when you moved here. Okay. So when we all came here to Houston, you're, you're being here is not a natural thing. It's, it's, a, just, it's supernatural. Like, we're not here because of, you know, maybe we had some motives otherwise, but we're here in a supernatural plan. You and whenever here to be blessed. We came here to be blessed. And when we look at our life, we have to look at it from the perspective of this is a finished work plan that what God has done and what God has blessed, blessed me with. And I think the devil sometimes wants to steal things from us that God has given us. Because we start thinking like in, you know, we start thinking in, in, in natural terms. So I want to finish with this. In Psalm 131, David said this, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. What does that mean, haughty? It just means that my eyes are looking at things that are very boisterous and proud by nature, meaning that I'm looking at lofty things that are things that I want to have because 
of my own self life. It's looking at things. It's looking at things from the perspective of the pride of life, where I'm looking at something that is just so far beyond me. Another way to look at it is this: is that is that um, when I look at something and want that outside of God's will. For example, if I look at something and I want that, I say, God, is that your will? You know, is that your will for me to have that thing or be in this situation? And, if God, and then I wait for God's yes or no. And when God says yes, then praise the Lord, I let him give it to me. And if God says no, then I don't live with haughty eyes. And I do not concern myself, he said, and I love these words, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Gossip is against this verse. Gossip is when we get involved with things that are too great for us or things that are too too big for us. It's not my business. It's not it's not I am not to be meddling in that matter. But I have stilled and listen to what he says here, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I just want to finish with this is that what does that mean, that verse, that we're like a weaned child from its mother? You know, your moms here are going to know exactly what, what I'm saying here, is that when you have a baby that you're nursing and the baby starts crying and fussing, then it wants, it wants its mother's milk. It wants something, and it's going to fuss till it gets it, right? He or she gets it. But with a weaned child, that child is not fussing for that anymore. It's, it has been weaned from... A mother, meaning that now the child is just happy to be in the presence of the mother. And that's the way it is for us as a weaned child, is that we are no longer following God for the blessing, for what we can get from God. What can I get out of this? You know, how can I build up my own my own uh, ego in, in in Christian in the Christian world or Christian service? I met a guy in Baltimore, and he just said, he said, I'm coming to this church because I'm looking for a good wife. <laughs> but one guy told me. You know, he said, I've been to many different churches, but in your church, you seem to have ladies that are, you know, that are better, that are good looking, and they seem to be really great potential wives. And so he says, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm here to look for a wife. That's why, thanks, I appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> At least we know what we're, what, we're, what we're talking about here. You know, we, when we come to church, we follow God, it's like we're not, it's like when I, my great confession or our great confession in our life is not like what God has given me. Or what have you done for me lately, God? But it just means that, God, I am just a weaned child. I'm just happy to be in your presence. You know, I'm just happy to be present in your presence. Uh, I'm just happy to have the presence of God in my family. You know, I'm just happy to have God's presence in my fellowship with my husband or my wife. I'm just happy to have the 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 validation of the presence of God. I. You know, I said to Pastor Schaller, I said, we sense the presence of God here every day. You know, we just sense God's presence. And I wouldn't want to be in Houston without the presence of God. Can you imagine being somewhere without the presence of God? You could have all the greatest things in the world, you know. Uh, Sean showed us a house last night. It was beautiful. It was amazing, you know. It was just incredible, beautiful house. And we had seen some really beautiful houses in the area. And I just thought, I had to thought, imagine living in this house without God. How empty that would be. You know, the emptiness, you know, of of living a beautiful life without the presence of God, you know. And, and that's why men hide in their careers and women hide in their whatever their, their you know, their, their soap operas or whatever, whatever that, you know, whatever they do. 
people hide because they're not content because they have no inner contentment with God. And in 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 contrast, when we are weaned, we're just we are just satisfied with the presence of God. And I'm going to finish with this: is that Matthew six verse thirty three says that seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be what given unto you. Well, yeah, given. But the word I'm thinking of is the king added, added given. This is why some of us or some people, and I don't, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but there's, that's why some Christians never get into God's plan of adding. You know, we're, Because either we get content with what we have, and God's like, I want to give you so much more, but we get where we're, we are afraid to trust Him. We're afraid to trust the nature of God. We're afraid to, um, we're afraid of failure or, or rejection. And we say, no, God, I'm good right here. And that was the way the disciples were in the boat. And then Peter saw Jesus on the water. And Jesus, Peter was like, Peter had this uh, healthy discontentment. He said, you know, God, I want something more. And God has a plan to add. And, but but some, some people never get into that. And this is going to sound like prosperity gospel, but it's not. Um, I'm not only talking about the adding of a blessing, but added character, added power, added faith, added added blessing. Some some people never enter into God's plan of addition because they're living with haughty eyes. They, are, they never discover contentment with the presence of God with where they're at. You know, there are some things in our life that we should be discontent with. For example, if things are not going the way we think they should be with God, then we should be like, God, I'm not happy with this. I really want to see you work in this area of my life, my marriage, my personal life, in, my, you know, in every detail of my life. I want you to work. But... If we live in this contentment that God is with us, then we are seeking the kingdom first, and then God can be free to add stuff to us. God can't add something to us when we're living in the soul attachments with other things. He just can't add because we're full. We're already full. God can fill an empty cup. And you know, this is what God is, I think, doing with us as a team. God is molding us shaping us, teaching us, um, strengthening us, lifting us up, so that when we get to that moment where we actually are um, opening our church, that we're going to be a team that's ready. You know, I think we are ready now, but I think we're just getting prepared, and we're just getting built up, and we're getting encouraged. When we have when we have divine contentment, then we can learn how to have divine expectations. And that's the last thing I'm going to say is that, you know, if I'm happy today where I'm at with God, not living in discontentment with haughty eyes, looking at things like, you know, look how nice it is over there. Instead of just rejoicing in the grace that God has given us here, discontentment can happen in a man's life when he just stops thanking God for things. You know, let's just take time to thank God for what he's given us. Thank God for the house I have. Thank God for my kids. Thank God for my husband, my wife, thank God for my job. I talked to a guy at Costco yesterday and, you know, he's a janitor and I just started talking with him and, and, uh, you know, and he wasn't really complaining. He just said, it's a hard job. And I said, well, you got work. <laughs> There's people that don't have work, you know, and you work in a nice place. Costco's a nice place to work. It's a nice atmosphere. And, you know, and he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah, you're right. And, um, I said, just, so when we thank God, whenever we feel that pessimism or negativity coming on us, 
just go away and just say, God, I want to thank you for this. I thank you, God, that I can walk. I can see, you know. Thank God I have this. Thank and when you take an hour of just worshiping God and thanking God for it, you're just, your world is going to be different. <laughs> your perception of things is going to be different. Um, you're, you're, you're going to be healthy. You're going to be a healthier person. Um, because negativity always, always has, always causes us to excrete toxic chemicals into our bodies and we become sick, literally. And I'll finish with that, 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 um, that living with contentment, not just saying, oh, well, you know, what do I expect? Some, you know, I do. Not living in sarcastic contentment, but just saying, Lord, thank you for this. Um, but Lord, I want to believe you for great things, not for myself, but for other people. And I'll just finish with, th with this, and I said that four times already, but why can't we believe great things from God for people? You know, why can't we do that? Like, let's do that. Let's look at someone and say, you know what? Not being pie in the sky or, you know, and God has to give it to us. It's not something we can manufacture. And if God doesn't give it to us, then we don't say it. But, you know, when we look at someone, we can say, you know what? I want, first of all, I go to, a, I go to God and pray and say, God I, want, God, I want you to bless that person. You know, I want that person's expectations to go beyond their flesh and go beyond what they see is happening in their life. I want... God, I want you to bless this person. And that's what I want to do. I want to see happen with our little church here is that we would be just a generator of you blessing. Mean our, big church. our big church. Let's get that right. Yes. Our huge church. Thousands of angels are in this room, probably. You know? Well, let's and think that way. Let's, th let's believe God for a building, a place, a place that we can just say, you know what? This place is dedicated for the blessing of people. And we we know that that's you know, what, what um, we've heard that taught, you know, that authority is for the purpose of blessing people, not to, not to manipulate people. So I just want to encourage us with that this morning and just say, Lord, I'm, I want to live to have that contentment, live as a weaned child, just happy and blessed, thanking God for his presence in my life and so that I can be a candidate for God's program of addition, you know, addition. Because when we become a candidate for God's program for addition, then at that point, we can be blessed to bless other people. And that's what, I, that's what we're all about. You know, let's just bless people. You know, God gives us stuff so that gives us patience, joy, or whatever we own to be a blessing to other people. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for... Our contentment in Jesus Christ, Lord, that let you just like a child with his mother, its weans, Lord, we can just rejoice that we are in the presence of great love and great compassion and great value. And that's the way we feel, Lord, with you. And Lord, we want to look at our life and other people's lives and just make that confession, Lord, that Lord, I want to believe you to bless people, Lord. And when we look at people that are struggling spiritually or failing, or maybe they've just failed in a major way, we want to look at them and just say, you know what, God is for you. Who can be against you? Not even your enemy can be against you. And so we want to encourage people. We want to just, and I just pray, Lord, a blessing on everyone here, on every person that we know that we have contact with, people like 
people that you know we talk to once in three months that know us that are Christians Lord we want us just we want people when they connect with us to experience the blessing and the anointing of God and we pray these things in Jesus precious name amen amen